Yo, it's the Bible Club. What's up? Welcome back. Thanks for coming back. I get so lonely when you're not here. Last time on the Non-Believer Bible Club, I, a non-believer, reading the Bible for the first time, read about Rahab, a prostitute living in the city of Jericho, a woman so beautiful that legends say the mere mention of her name was enough to cause arousal. So, successful business then. Now, when two Israelite spies come into Jericho, she decides to hide them, defying her people, her city, and her king. But why? Because she has heard the stories of the Israelites. Forty years ago, when Moses parted the Red Sea, the news spread all over the land of Canaan. See, we know them as an ununified, squabbling band of whiners. But now that they've gotten their shit together, we hear the other side. To the Canaanites, the Israelites are a favored people marching through the desert, an unstoppable force coming to break their walls down with the power of an omnipotent God who can destroy anything in their path. Uh-oh. Now, lo and behold, the Israelites are here. Rahab knows when to step aside, and so she does giving a code, that is, a red string hanging out of her window, which allows the army to know when they kill everybody in the city, they won't kill her. Now that says a lot about who is worth saving in a community. Her profession is identified with the word zana, meaning to commit fornication, to be a harlot. In that way, she is recognized as Rahab the harlot by sparing her and her family alone. Joshua shows that even a harlot who fears God is more worthy to keep alive than anyone else in the entire city of Jericho. In Judaism, Rahab is a descendant of the Judean prophet Jeremiah, who predicts and witnesses the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians. I think I've confused him at some point with King Josiah, who discovers the Deuteronomic law somewhere in the temple. He realizes that Jerusalem is screwed and institutes an era of harsh reform that is ultimately unsuccessful in preventing the Babylonian captivity. Sad. In the Christian tradition, Rahab has a very interesting presence. Marrying Salmon, an Israelite from the tribe of Judah, they father Boaz, the man who will become the husband of Ruth in the book of Ruth. Ruth is a direct descendant of the man who would marry Mary. Yes, Joseph, directly descended from the only honorable woman in Jericho, Rahab the harlot. An interesting legacy. Rahab becomes the first pagan convert in Joshua's campaign, and some traditions even suggest that Joshua is the one that she marries. In either case, her children go on to foretell the destruction of Jerusalem and raise the Redeemer of all humankind. The text is trying to teach us three things. Fear, recognition, repentance. She hears the story of God. She knows, oh shit, the Israelites are coming and they have a big stick named Yahweh. She recognizes where she's been wrong and apologizes, not just in words, but in action, putting herself at risk to harbor the spies whose information will lead to the destruction of her city. If it was ever time to jump off the boat, right? We'll see how many more people 
are able to save themselves and how many won't be so lucky. But this religion wouldn't be so widespread, neither its Jewish form or Christian form, if not for this one very important thing. As long as you believe in God, you will be saved. Now that the Israelites are on the upswing, that truth will become a harsh reality for everyone in the land of Canaan. Let's see how it shakes out. Join with me as we continue with the book of Joshua. Chapter 7 But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. We've had one victory. Already back to messing it up. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Aven, on the east side of Beth-El, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. Ai, Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. Page turn. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do? unto thy great name. So, Joshua getting the flip side of dealing like Moses did with the wishy-washy Israelites. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. God don't like it when you put that stuff that he didn't want you to take among your stuff. In this passage, they're specifically talking about good old war booty. Remember, they were instructed not not to take a single thing from Jericho, except for the silver and brass and gold that they needed for the Lord's storehouse. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, 
Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee. O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zerites, and he brought the family of the Zerites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Man, he found him quick. And Joshua said unto Achan, What the hell? My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua, and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylon, Babylonish garment, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight, then I coveted them, and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran unto the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent, and brought them unto Joshua, and unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua, and all Israel with him, took Achan the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, this is not going to go well, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire, after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. If you're to take Israel as a person, and what really cracks me up because of how accurate it is, what you get is someone who is just too stubborn to follow the rules. Of course, if this is all written in hindsight, we are seeing how and exactly why a race of peculiar people specifically chosen by God could possibly build up a city only for it to be destroyed by Babylonians. This is our answer. For each victory, a misstep. It occurs to me that the people who died in the desert were those who didn't want to follow God. The ones who were left 
had no choice but to follow God. In fact, it was all they knew. But now, these people are getting to see riches for the first time. Akan is tempted because he's never seen a bunch of silver and a chunk of gold. A whole chunk and some cool armor. And he's like, oh, I want this. The children of Israel were innocent. But now, they may fall prey to the sins of experience. Chapter 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her kingdom as thou didst unto Jericho and her king, only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee in ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua arose, and all the people of war to go up against Ai. Finally taken down Ai! And Joshua chose out thirty thousand men of valor and sent them away by night. See, just by numbers, this is already going much better. Three thousand? Hmm, how about thirty thousand? And he commanded them, saying, Behold, ye shall lie in wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. And I and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city, and it shall come to pass, when they come out against us, as at the first, that we will flee before them. For they will come out after us, till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say, They flee before us as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. That's very smart. See, he's also real sore about losing the last time. So now he's like, ha, this is actually part of our complicated pretending to flee strategy. Now anyone that talks about them in battle, oh, the Israelites run away. Nah, man, that's just part of their genius. Street cred secure. Of course, God is the one who taught him the idea of laying a trap. Verse 2 ends with, lay thee in ambush for the city behind it. So, there you have it. God invented the surprise attack. Verse 7. Then ye shall rise up from the ambush and seize upon the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it shall be, when ye have taken the city, that ye shall set the city on fire, according to the commandment of the Lord shall ye do. See, I have commanded you. Joshua therefore sent them forth, and they went to lie in ambush, and abode between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and numbered the people, and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people, to Ai. And all the people, even the people of war that were with him, went up, and drew nigh, and came before the city, and pitched on the north side of Ai. Now there was a valley between them and Ai. And he took about five thousand men, and set them to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, even all the host that was on the north of the city, and their liars in wait on the west of the city, Joshua went that night, into the midst of the valley. And it came to pass, 
when the king of Ai saw it, that they hasted and rose up early, and the men of the city went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people, at a time appointed before the plain. But he wist not that there were liars in ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them, and fled by the way of the wilderness. And all the people that were in Ai were called together to pursue after them. And they pursued after Joshua, and were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel that went not out after Israel. And they left the city open, and pursued after Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in thy hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thine hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city, and the ambush arose quickly out of their place. And they ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered into the city, and took it, and hasted, and set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven, and they had no power to flee this way or that way, and the people that fled to the wilderness turned back upon the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city, and that the smoke of the city ascended, then they turned again and slew the man of Ai. Brutal. And the other issued out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And they smote them, so that they let none of them remain or escape. And the king of Ai they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass, when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness wherein they chased them, and when they were all fallen on the edge of the sword, until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned unto Ai and smote it with the edge of the sword. And so it was that all that fell that day, both of men and women, were twelve thousand, even all the men of Ai. For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Kind of reminds you of when Moses had to raise his staff so that his armies could win in battle. Only the cattle and the spoil of that city Israel took for a prey unto themselves, according unto the word of the Lord, which he commanded Joshua. And Joshua burnt I, and made it an heap forever, even a desolation unto this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until eventide. Damn! And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his carcass down from the tree and cast it at the entering of the gate of the city, and raise thereon a great heap of stones that remaineth unto this day. I get that it's a kind of burial, or it's a kind of marker, but I think it's just funny that everybody that they defeat, they just cover with stones. 
they are now the people of the piles of rocks. Wherever you see piles of rocks, they have conquered. Actually, the first stone pile they make is the pile of stones that they take out of the Jordan River to mark the place where Israel came out of bondage into the land that was promised. Jacob, who would become Israel and give his name to all of his descendants, erected (laughs) a pillar, pouring oil over it to recognize the dream that he has of a ladder and his recognition of the Lord. And what was the name of that place? Not Ai, but Bethel. I think this obsession with stones is less about what they are and more about what they aren't. Not making any graven image is one of the commandments, whereas the people of the time would take a stone and carve the image of their deity onto it. The people of the stones must not make any graven image. Their God made things the way they were, out of the hands of craftsmen, out of the hands of men, into the hands of God. Page turn. Then, Joshua built an altar unto the Lord, God of Israel, in Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, over which no man hath lift up any iron. See, what did I say? And they offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord, and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side the ark, and on that side before the priests the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as the stranger, as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim, and half of them over against Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded before in Deuteronomy that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. That took me a very long time. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. Chapter 9 And it came to pass, when all the kings which were on this side Jordan, in the hills, and in the valleys, and in all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite, and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, usual suspects, heard thereof, that they gathered themselves together, to fight with Joshua and with Israel, with one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wilyly, wilyly, and went and made as if they had been ambassadors, and took old sacks upon their asses, and wine bottles old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal, and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We become from a far country. Now therefore make ye 
a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye, and from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come, because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites, that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. This our bread we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry, and it is moldy. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new, and behold, they be rent, and these our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. God, you don't play not with people who have actually traveled a very long distance. That's like the least likely to work out plan I've ever heard. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. Oh, never mind, it worked. And it came to pass at the end of three days after they had made a league with them that they heard that they were their neighbors and that they dwelt among them. And the children of Israel journeyed and came unto their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Chephira and Beeroth and Kirjath Jearim. Jerim. And the children of Israel smote them not, because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel, Ooh, saved by loophole. And all the congregation murmured against the princes. Ugh, that's something we don't need back, is the murmuring. But all the princes said unto all the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swear unto them. And the princes said unto them, Let them live, but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water unto all the congregation, as the princes had promised them. And Joshua called for them, and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you when ye dwell among us. Now therefore ye are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land, and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore we were sore afraid of our lives because of you, and have done this thing. And now behold, we are in thine hand, as it seemeth good and right unto thee to do unto us. Do. And so did he unto them, and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel, that they slew them not. 
And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day in the place which he should choose. Well, looks like I learned something today. That's that even a race of people who have been enslaved for 400 years will make slaves out of somebody else if they break a promise. Granted, they aren't an empire yet, so we're not talking about the same degree of suffering possible yet. Chapter 10. Now it came to pass, when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Homam, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of Jarmuth, and unto Japhiah, king of Lachish, and unto Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me, and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together, and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon, and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly, and save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. Man, now... They're really in charge of these people. If you're going to enslave somebody, then you're going to be responsible for them. Also, here we are again in another Bible re-reoccurrence. This time we're seeing Abraham's war against the five kings play out yet again. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly, and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon, and smote them to Azekah, and unto Makedah. And it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah, and they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. God is personally executing them for the army. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, 
stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou, moon, in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? I don't know, is it? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Whoa. The book of Jasher is considered a lost work, of which many forgeries have been made throughout the years. Interesting that the book is also referred to in Samuel and Kings. Either way, we can understand that someone reading this had read the book of Jasher and understood that Joshua asked God to make the sky stop moving. (laughs) And so they made war, not love, all day, night long. And Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, unto the camp, to Gilgal. But these five kings fled, and hid themselves in a cave at Machedah. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings are found hid in a cave at Machedah. And Joshua said, Roll. (sighs) What are they going to roll? What will they roll to make this all come together as a story? Roll great stones upon the mouth of the cave, and set men by it for to keep them. And stay ye not, but pursue after your enemies, and smite the hindmost of them. Suffer them not to enter into their cities, for the Lord your God hath delivered them into your hand. And it came to pass, when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them, with a very great slaughter, till they were consumed, that the rest which remained of them entered into fenced cities. Page turn. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Machedah in peace. None moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then said Joshua, Open the mouth of the cave, and bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. So they're dead. I thought he's going to either leave them in there and they'll eat each other, (laughs) like in the siege, or probably this is going to happen. And they did so, and brought forth those five kings unto him out of the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lashish, and the king of Eglon. Eglon, your eggy boy. And it came to pass, when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel, and said unto the captains of the men of war, which went with him, come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near, and put their feet upon the necks of them. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed, be strong and of good courage. God's advice to him, For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. And afterward Joshua smote them, and slew them, and hanged them on five trees, and they were hanging open upon the trees, 
until the evening. And it came to pass at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down off the trees and cast them into the cave wherein they had been hid, and laid great stones in the cave's mouth, which, you guessed it, remain until this very day. And that day Joshua took Machedah, and smote it with the edge of the sword, and the king thereof he utterly destroyed, made a little bitch out of them. Them, and all the souls that were therein, he let none remain. And he did to the king of Machedah as he did unto the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Machedah, and all Israel with him, unto Libnah, and fought against Libnah. And the Lord delivered it also, and the king thereof, into the hand of Israel. And he smote it with the edge of the sword, and all the souls that were therein. He let none remain in it, but did unto the king thereof as he did unto the king of Jericho. And Joshua passed from Libnah, and all Israel with him, unto Lashish, and encamped against it, and fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lashish into the hand of Israel, which took it on the second day, and smote it with the edge of the sword, and all the souls that were therein, according to all that he had done to Libnah. Then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish, and Joshua smote him and his people until he had left him none remaining. And from Lachish, Joshua passed unto Eglon, and all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it. And they took it on that day and smote it with the edge of the sword, and all the souls that were therein he utterly destroyed that day according to all that he had done to Lashish. And Joshua went up from Eglon, and all Israel with him unto Hebron, and they fought against it. And they took it, and smote it with the edge of the sword, and the king thereof, and all the cities thereof, and all the souls that were therein. He left none remaining, according to all that he had done to Eglon, but destroyed it utterly, and all the souls that were therein. And Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to Debir, and fought against it. And he took it, and the king thereof, and all the cities thereof. And they smote them with the edge of the sword, and utterly destroyed all the souls that were therein. He left none remaining, as he had done to Hebron. So he did to Debir, and to the king thereof, as he had done also to Libnah, and to her king. So Joshua smote all the country of the hills, and of the south, and of the vale, and of the springs, and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed, as the Lord God of Israel commanded. And Joshua smote them from Kadesh Barnea, even unto Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even unto Gibeon. And all these kings and their land did Joshua take at one time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. And Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, unto the camp to Gilgal. Well, that was a lot of murder. Chapter 11 And it came to pass, when Jabin, 
king of Hazor, had heard those things that he sent to Jobab, king of Madon, and to the king of Shimron, and to the king of Achshaph, and to the kings that were on the north of the mountains, and of the plains south of Chinneroth, and in the valley, and in the borders of Dor on the west, and to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and to the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite and the Jebusite in the mountains, and to the Hivite under Hermon in the land of Mizpeh. And they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude, with horses and chariots, very many. And when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow, about this time, will I deliver them up, all slain before Israel. Thou shalt hew their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua came, and all the people of war with him, against them by the waters of Merom suddenly, and they fell upon them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who smote them, and chased them unto great Zidon, and unto Misrephoth Maim, Maim, and unto the valley of Mizpeh eastward, and they smote them, until they left them none remaining. And Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. He hewed their horses and burnt their chariots with fire. Looking at the Collins Dictionary, I found out that the word hew, H-O-U-G-H, is actually hawk, coming from the word heel, also in NIV translated as hamstring. So to hamstring the cattle and horses, or in other words, to fuck up their hamstrings so that they can't walk, therefore making them useless in war. And Joshua at that time turned back and took Hazor and smote the king thereof with the sword, for Hazor before time was the head of all those kingdoms. And they smote all the souls that were therein with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was not any left to breathe, and he burnt Hazor with fire. And all the cities of those kings, and all the kings of them, did Joshua take, and smote them with the edge of the sword, and he utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. So at this point, he is just as much God's servant as he is obeying the law of Moses. Of course, coming from God anyway, but you get my point. But as for the cities that stood still in their strength, Israel burned none of them, save Hazor only. That did Joshua burn. And all the spoil of these cities and the cattle the children of Israel took for a prey unto themselves. But every man they smote with the edge of the sword, until they had destroyed them, neither left they any to breathe. As the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. So Joshua took all that land, the hills and all the south country and all the land of Goshen, 
and the valley and the plain, and the mountain of Israel, and the valley of the same, even from the mount Halak that goeth up to Seir, even unto Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon under Mount Hermon, and all their kings he took, and smote them, and slew them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. All other they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anab, and from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod there remained. So Joshua took the whole land, according to all that the Lord said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel, according to their divisions by their tribes. And the land rested from war. And so we will also rest for today. Man, nothing but relentless war. War and death, death to all. Seems bad, but not a single nation made peace with Israel. Still, will these people be any better than the ones who came before? Notably, there's one thing that makes them very different from the ones who came before, and that's their God. This is all sanctioned by Yahweh. He gives Joshua a particular mission at the beginning of the book. Be strong and courageous. If Israel is going to work as a kingdom, again, a kingdom set up by an omnipotent being sort of meddling in the affairs of man, which he created, in order for this kingdom to work, what I think is that it has to be feared. Remember, Rahab began to fear Israel. She began to fear Yahweh. She began to fear God. It became the first step towards her not only living with the Israelites, but converting to their religion. Even further than that, taking a place in God's plan. Anyone who makes peace with Israel, anyone who is willing to see Yahweh, can be saved. So the subtle implication of Rahab may be that it's Israel's duty to be strong to be courageous, to be feared, so that the righteous can follow suit. That's God's plan. Your children will be a blessing. If God can make Israel work by chain reaction, it'll make the rest of humanity work. You don't need a flood. You just need one nation who's on your side. The rest will follow. Surely this must be the intended message. Before Israel can be an example to others, they needed to figure out how to be the example themselves. But now that they've done just that, it's inspiration time. 
they're out to convert or kill everyone around them. Harsh rules for a harsh world. But will this be the path to salvation? This is a land sorely won, and we know it will be sorely taken away twice more. The land that belonged to the Canaanites now belongs to Israel, but the land only. None of their accursed things, and not their way of life. With the Holy Land finally won, what will Joshua do next? We'll find out next time on the Nonbeliever Bible Club. Thanks for listening, my creeping things. Don't get stoned with stones. Don't get burned with fire. Set up a pile of rocks wherever you go. Adios.